In today's message, how emotionally immature people can impact your relationship with God. Hi there, I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries. Welcome to our podcast and YouTube channel where we talk about conquering codependency God's way. You know, for years, I was unaware of my codependency struggle because it flew right under the radar of my confused Christianity and controlling tendencies to find love. But when God brought an awareness and an unraveling of codependency that would open my arms to real intimacy with Him, everything changed. Now, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. Don't expect an expert on this channel. I don't even have a seminary degree. But I am a woman that found freedom from codependency through God dependency. And now I'm passionate about sharing this with others. So join me as we discover truth, experience freedom, and live treasured. four of our four-part series on emotionally immature people. And today I'm going to be sharing with you my four biggest aha moments from our interview with Dr. Holly Spots and how I feel that in particular, they impact a codependent and what you can do to begin to break out of uh, this cycle. Um, so the first uh, thing that I want to talk about is the picture that Dr. Holly Spots gave us about um, how an orbit can create from your family of origin. And she shared the fact that if you are brought up in a home where a family member, um, for example, perhaps used their family role to demand that you orbit your life around theirs or Maybe they called you selfish anytime you had needs. You pretty much grew up in a situation where you were walking on eggshells. Uh, everybody in the house knew it. And there was a family member that everything orbited around. There was just this tension in the air. And so because that was your family of origin, where this orbit originated, it became normal to you to shut down your heart when that particular person stepped into the room. It became normal for you to not express your needs and to shut those down. And so you continued in life this way, not rocking the boat. And even though you could uh, have left your family of origin, the orbit, the, the idea of the orbit is still there. Now, I love that picture of uh, the, the idea of an orbit because it reminds me of the force of gravity. We can't see gravity, but gravity is still there. And you might ask yourself, why is it that I always get myself into relationships uh, with these maybe very charismatic people, um, very uh, just people that love to shine, but they always, everything is fine as long as I'm pulling into the background and, and they're at the center. Why am I always finding myself inside of those situations? Well, it's because it feels normal. It feels normal. 
And so the opposite of that is not going to feel normal. And so when you get into the word of God and when you begin to see that God has a plan and a purpose for you and you begin to step up and shine, it can feel abnormal. You might even feel guilty for doing things like saying no or trying to uncover uh, your needs. And so when you begin to do that, when you begin to stop orbiting your life around people, it will feel very uncomfortable. And for codependence, that is such a key thing to realize because what can happen is we can begin to walk in new ways and it will feel uncomfortable. And because it doesn't feel comfortable, we might say, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the way that it was, where I, you know, made myself small, where I centered myself around other people, because at least there would be peace. Well, let me tell you something, that is not God's peace. It is not God's peace. God's peace was never um, you know, not rocking the boat. When Jesus came here, he rocked the boat. And he tells us in his word that the peace that he gives us is not from this world. And, you know, sometimes when you and I are used to the orbit, we might even spiritualize it, right? Like we might even say, well, I'm just trying to keep the peace. And aren't I supposed to be a peacemaker? But you know what? If you're not putting God in the center, because really uh, healthy parents should shift the way that they parent as the child grows up so that the child learns to depend on God. And sometimes parents don't do that. They want to hold on. They want to have control. And so you just get used to that. And then when you, you reason in your head, you know what, my solution for this is going to be leaving my family. But you know what? Until you deal with your orbit of origin, you might get sucked back into an unhealthy codependent relationship. Are you tracking with me on that? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, if somebody is using a role whether it is, you know, a husband role, a wife role, or a parental role to get you as an adult to center your life around theirs, it is not biblical. It is manipulation. And as codependents, we will feel extreme guilt. And the reason why you feel this guilt is because you're leaving and orbit. And what God wants you to do is to leave and to cleave. I want to read this scripture. Ephesians 5:31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. So there's an example of leaving. Think about Abraham. When God first came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, the very first thing that God told Abraham was this, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. 
Treasured Ministry YouTube family, you want to know something. Sometimes we have to leave. And it doesn't even need to be physical because you know what? We could leave a situation physical, but if we don't change our orbit, we will not walk healthy and whole. And the key to doing that is to recognize when you have those feelings of guilt and you want to go back to the old orbit to say to yourself, you know what? It's uncomfortable to grow. And not everybody is going to be happy with me when I grow. You know, I love the story of David. When David finally stepped into his anointing and, uh, and he fought Goliath and everybody loved David, well, Saul got jealous of David. And prior to this victory that David had, David played his harp to soothe Saul because Saul was, um, was, was distraught. And so David would play his harp for him. And as long as David was soothing Saul, Saul was okay. But the moment that David stepped up and began to shine, Saul had a problem. And maybe David felt like, I don't know, this is kind of uncomfortable and weird because Saul really liked me and now he doesn't. Listen, when you start to break free from codependency, your relationships will shift and change. And the key is not to cling on to every relationship, but to cling on to God first. And when you feel discomfort, perhaps it is that you are growing and breaking free to live a new way. In similar fashion, think about how God, when he freed the Israelites from their life of bondage and slavery to Pharaoh, where they had to orbit their lives around him, once he freed them, he didn't take them directly to the promised land. No, they spent time in the wilderness. Why? Because God wanted them to learn dependence upon him. And oftentimes, when we leave a situation where we've been orbiting, God and his love for us will take us through a wilderness. We might experience loneliness or emptiness. But if we'll see that season as God's very provision for us, to change our orbit for good from centering our lives around people to centering our life around him by running to him in our discomfort, that is what will change our orbit. You see, God wanted the Israelites to be dependent upon him. And if he took them right into their promised land, just like if we run right into another relationship, we might not learn dependence upon him and the potential for another unhealthy situation can emerge. The second thing that is so important, and this is so key, is if you are a child um, of emotionally immature parents, um, it can affect your prayer life. 
Now, the reason why it can affect your prayer life is because, um, and Dr. Holly Spots talked about this, that as a child, you shut your needs down. You learned that your needs were not important. And so you just shut them down. And if you shut that down over time, it's very hard for you to even discern what your needs are. And if you've lived in that orbit where you were centering your life around a person and you shut down your needs and then you become a Christian and God invites you into a walk with him where he is your Abba father, where he wants to be your source. And one of the things that he asks you to do is come to him and to ask him for what you need. I cannot tell you how many women I talk to that tell me I can pray big and bold for my friends, for um, other family members. If, if you were to reach out to me, Eileen, and say, can you pray for me? But when it comes to praying for myself, I feel like I'm bothering God. I feel like, you know, my needs aren't important. And a lot of women even say, I don't even know. <laughs> what to ask for. And isn't it interesting that inside the Bible, in Matthew 6, 8, it says this, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then it goes on to tell us in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, that God wants us to ask him for what we need. And you can look at that, and I do too, and say, and, and this week I was actually praying about that. And I was like, well, Lord, if you already know what we need, why do you want us to ask you for what we need? And I'm sure there are many reasons why. Many reasons that you and I will not uncover this side of heaven but one thing that I see very clearly is that God wants you and I to know that he is a trustworthy father and that he is our source and that we can have confidence inside of this world that we can seek him first. And if you are the child of an emotionally immature parent, where you pushed your needs down. Could it perhaps be that your prayer, your personal prayer life for what you need is small before God because you are carrying that relationship that you had with your father or your mother into your relationship with God? You know, one of the things that God invites us to do when we become a Christian is to learn how to walk a new way. And I think that one of the reasons why God wants us to start asking for what we need is so that we will recognize Him as our source. And I cannot think of a better way to begin this journey than by beginning a, a bigger and bolder prayer life. You know, one of the 
um, one of the facets of the Nourish Method. This is our grace-based approach uh, where we teach you this Bible study method um, inside of the Treasure Tribe. But part of that is developing a prayer life that flows from the Word of God. And one of the things um, that I ask women to do, especially because if you're coming out of codependency, you need to learn that you can depend on God for everything. And so one of the things that we do is we specifically ask you to pray for what you need every week. And when we can depend on God like that, it frees us up to love others instead of looking to others for, uh, for what we need. Um, and so, so this is just, prayer is just a wonderful opportunity. And so if you were listening to um, the series on emotionally immature people and you thought that's me, um, I want you to begin to start a big, bold uh, a prayer life. And um, inside of the Treasure Tribe, we have these things called weekly uh, prayer sheets where you record your uh, prayer requests. And it is really wild. When women get inspired to pray boldly and when you record it, and when you see God answer, the need to depend on people will slowly fade away. And you will see people differently because you will recognize that you can uh, depend on God. God wants you to learn about his love through experience. And prayer is a part of that process. All right, let's move on to the third thing. This was great. So one of the things that I learned from Dr. Holly Spots is that the goal of uh, confronting others is not how the other person received it. Now this is going, this was a game changer for me. And Y'all know that uh, confronting others, that that is something, a new skill that I've had to develop and I'm continuing to develop it. And inside of uh, my podcast with Dr. Holly Spots, she gave us a three-step way where you can confront really anybody. Um, and we were talking about emotionally immature people, but I said to her, you could use this for anybody. And she said, yes. Anyway, it's a great little exercise. And for those of you that have always shut your needs down or never were able to say to somebody, hey, that hurt or whatever, this is a great little exercise to start to practice doing. I'm not going to go through it because we already did it in our um, previous videos. But one of the questions that I asked her, I said, you know, what is the goal of conflict? And she mentioned to me, she said, you know, we, we have these healing fantasies. Like, um, and I was like, that is so true. Like if, if I finally get up the courage to confront somebody to say, hey, you know, this hurt me when you did this and, and here's why and can we talk about it, that the end result, we feel like the measurement of success is how did that person receive it? How did they respond? Did we, you know, just march off into the sunset? And she said, absolutely not. That's not the measurement of success. The measurement is how did 
you handle it. Did you show up? Did you bring volume to your voice instead of squishing down your needs over and over and over again? And were you able to, uh, to remain calm and non-reactive? Um, and so if you want to hear more about that, go listen to part two of this. But that was a brand new thought for me. That was a brand new thought. And codependents normally say, I hate conflict. Of course we do. If people are our idol, we got to have everybody happy with us. So there's a big fear of rejection when you confront somebody. And however, that's not biblical. It is not biblical. And if you're going to be in healthy relationship with people, you have to learn how to bring up things um, when, when something bothers you or all that sort of stuff like that. Now, the three-step process that Holly gave, I want to tell you that I used that. I used that to have a hard conversation. And it was really a great little methodology to use. Now, when I did it, I'm not going to say that I got an A plus and I did everything like all the way, you know, wonderful. But guess what? I am so um, jammed that I actually had the courage to do it, that I showed up, that I didn't continue to push my feelings down, that I validated them and I shared them in a way where I could express my needs and then let go of the situation. All right, so um, the goal of conflict is not how somebody else responded. Was the relationship restored? It is how you handled the situation. All right, our last thing is this. Anger, when you get angry, it is worth looking under the hood. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that because codependents uh, struggle a lot with anger. And not only do we struggle, and the reason why we struggle a lot with anger, I believe, and what God showed me in my journey, is that if people are my idol, I don't have control over, over other people. And so you can tend to get angry. Another reason why is that codependents don't set good boundaries. And a lot of times anger will happen when a boundary is crossed. So that's another reason why. And the other reason why is that you and I shove our needs down over and over again. We give, give, give over and over again. And then we end up being resentful and, and angry. Well, what I learned from Dr. Holly Spots, which I love, is that anger is actually a secondary emotion, that there's something else going on underneath the surface. And she said, if you will, when those powerful emotions come, if you will take time to sit with those emotions, and she said that, you know, we don't sit with them. We react strongly. We will, um, you know, uh, run and have some chocolate or whatever. But if you'll sit with them and then come into the presence of God to process those emotions with him, you will be able to uncover what is going on. In other words, when I'm driving my car, if the engine light comes on, 
I take my car to a mechanic and say, can you tell me what the root of this issue is? I believe that anger is like that. It is like there is something going on under the hood. And you do not have to be afraid of your anger and as codependents, because we like to be the good Christian, when we feel anger, it almost, it's like we're scared that we felt it. We feel bad that we felt it. And so we, we try to like push it down, right? The problem is that powerful emotion stays there and it never get resolved. And so you don't address it. You don't address it. You don't address it. And then one day it just like bubbles over, right? And so I don't want you to be afraid of your anger anymore. I want you to, when it happens, not react, not um, try to, to medicate or smooth it. I want you to bring it to God. And how do codependents medicate? <laughs> we go to people, right? We, well, I'm going to go and please this other person to soothe this other thing. And that just creates more issues, right? So when you're feeling those painful emotions... Holly gave us those 10 questions, um, and that was in part three. And let me tell you something. Recently, inside of the Treasure Tribe, we meet on Zoom once a week. Um, we actually have several Zoom gatherings. One is for doing Bible study together. But in this one particular gathering, we gather really just for community and to pray with one another. And there's been some women that have been going through some tough things. And we have used those questions and it is amazing to see how God has showed up and has brought truth. You know, anger, it, it blinds us to what God really wants us to see and really the root issues. And so I really want to encourage you to listen to, I think it was, it was episode three. I'm not going to go through with the questions, but I'm just telling you that they're awesome. And the reason why they're awesome is, I mean, it has nothing to do with the questions, right? But it has everything to do with pausing and inviting God into the process, right? Like not pushing it off and blaming it on this. Like I'm not going to be of, afraid of my anger and I'm not going to be afraid of addressing it. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to get help for what I need. And those 10 questions can walk you through uh, that process. Now, if you are in the Treasure Tribe, um, those will actually be posted inside there. I'm going to create a little printout so that you'll always be able uh, to, um, to access those. Um, but if um, you go to part three of that message, you can get those questions. And I cannot tell you how God has showed up. And the reason why God showed up is because in our anger, in when women were going through this distress, they asked God what is really going on under the surface. Almost like you become afraid of your own emotions, right? Um, and, and the reason why you do have become afraid of those emotions is because in your family of origin, if you had that strong emotion and if your parents did not process it with you but just told you to push it down, 
Your childhood mind could have reasoned, it's not okay for me to have this emotion. It's not right for me to have this emotion. And so, I, like, my goodness, I'm certainly never going to bring this to God or I must be wrong. My needs must be wrong. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I was upset about something in a relationship and I was like, but I can't really put my fingers on why or what is, is going on. And so I took those questions before God and got to the root of it. And when you get to the root of it, that's really where the healing can begin. That's really when you can uncover what is going on and God can show you the truth. Isn't it interesting how in the Bible it says that God already knows what we need, but he still tells us to ask. In John chapter 20, uh, Mary Magdalene, um, is standing outside of the empty uh, tomb and she's weeping. And that word for weeping there is not just like, you know, shedding a few tears. I mean, it is all out emotional, just mourning and, and weeping. And so she was, she was distraught. Distraught's not even the right word. I can't find the right word for it. But it says then that she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot, where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Isn't that interesting? That the angels asked her why she was crying. You know the angels knew why she was crying. But from the heavens, Mary Magdalene, in that painful emotion, was asked to search her soul. Why are you crying? And then she responds, because they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. And so Mary responded, okay, here's why I'm crying. And she responded, with something that she could see with her, her eyes, right? And even though that was true, it wasn't God's truth, right? Because Jesus had risen from the dead. And so many times, you and I, when we get into that irrational place, and we will see things with our physical eyes that certainly are true, circumstances are certainly are true, but when we come before the Lord, instead of acting on those emotions right away and ask ourselves, why are we crying? Why am I really angry? What am I afraid of, right? It can be life-changing. Then in verse 14, it says, She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And so here we see again our Lord coming to her. And he didn't say to her, I can't believe 
you don't know what's going on after I told everybody over and over again that I was going to arise. No, he said, why are you crying? And then, and then Jesus showed her the truth that he had risen. And when life seems to turn upside down, you can go to God too and find his truth. You don't have to live in the orbit of your past. You can move out and live under the blessing of living in the reality of God's reign. And when you do, he will be there to nurture you, to hear you, and to be there to give you what you need. So that wraps up our series on emotionally immature uh, people. Hey, if you're interested in listening to the first three parts of this message, just subscribe to our podcast or our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening in, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.